Welcome to another inspiring podcast from C3 New Hope. For more information about our church and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au. So um, I have been asking the Lord about what to preach on and I had all these different things going through my mind. I thought, oh, I could do this, I could do that. And then the Lord said to me, he said, I'd like you to preach on hope. And I said, Lord, every visiting preacher to C3 New Hope probably does hope. I said, they're probably sick of it, Lord. But uh, here we are. Uh, I'm going to speak today about our hope in God, our hope in Him. Jesus is our living hope. We have a hope that's not wishful thinking. We have a hope that's more than any other hope on the earth. Our hope is alive in the name of Jesus. 1 Peter 1.3, Peter says this, Praise be to the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ. In His great mercy, He has given us new birth into a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead and into an inheritance that can never perish, spoil or fade. This inheritance is kept in heaven for you. Hallelujah. An eternal promise, not just a promise that passes, not a promise that spoils or fades, but a living hope that we have in Christ. And our hope is based on God's Word. The beautiful thing about God's Word is that God's Word is alive. This is what it tells us in the Bible. It is alive. It is active. It is all-powerful. We know that it's alive because when you're going through a trauma and there's the exact Scripture, you open up your daily devotional and it speaks directly to your spirit. That's because the Word is alive. For you, it is active, it is powerful. Hebrews 13, 5, 6 talks about this hope that we have in Christ. And this is what it says Never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper, I will not be afraid. And in this particular scripture, in Greek, this is a very, very strong statement. The word never is actually never, ever, ever. So it would be similar to saying, the Lord saying to you, I will never, ever, ever leave you. So it's the strength of this statement. Jesus uses exactly the same expression when he speaks about uh, eternity and eternal life for all of us. John 10, 27 to 28, Jesus says this, My sheep listen to my voice. I know them and they follow me. I give them eternal life and they shall never, ever, ever perish. This is our hope, the never, ever, ever of perishing, the never, ever, ever of failing. This is our great hope. This is the saving power of the Lord Jesus for every one of us. We are heaven bound because of what Jesus has done for us. Um, But sometimes in our daily life, our circumstances or our worries, or our thought life can hide this great hope. It can cover over it. And um, a couple of years ago, I went to the Ride shops, this little strip of shops in Ride, uh, where our bakery is. And I was going to the bakery, and I got out of the car, and I put my head down. And when I put my head up, there was... One side of my head was really dark and one side was really bright. And I thought, oh my goodness, what is happening to me? And I'm walking to the bakery and I'm thinking, what is happening? And I know a lot of people in Ride and so I would see people walking towards me, but I didn't want to talk to anyone because I didn't know what was going on. And so I'd just smile weakly at them and then go to the next one. And I thought, what is happening to me? What is happening? And I put my hand to my head and I had my sunglasses on and one of the lenses had fallen out. (laughs) And I looked like a pirate. I went from one minute thinking that I had a brain tumour, the next minute I'm thinking, how many people did I see that know me? They think I'm ridiculous, I look like a pirate. And you see, sunglasses are a bit like the obscuring of our hope. Sometimes our thought life goes berserk and we lose this assurance that we have. 
uh, it is obscured by our thoughts. You see, hope is essential for every follower of Jesus. It's essential for our faith. It's essential for our walk. Hebrews 11.1. 1. Now faith is confidence in what we hope for and assurance about what we do not see. So faith and hope are critical for us as believers. And actually, we are responsible for our hope. We are responsible to stay in a place of hope. You see, hope is more than a desire for good things. Hope is more than an emotion. Our hope is alive in Christ. And as followers of Jesus, we have to work continually to maintain this hope. There's an essential link between knowing God's word and applying it and having this hope in our spirit. In Luke 6.47, Jesus said that everyone who comes to him and hears his words and puts them into practice, Jesus says, I'll show you what they're like. And he says, it's like the wise and foolish builders. In Luke 8.15, Jesus said this, but the seed on good soil stands for those with a noble heart who hear the word, retain it, and by perseverance, produce a crop. And this is what we need to do. Hear it, retain it, and persevere. And uh, I went to our local service station one day, and uh, there was a new boy. And uh, the woman who owns the service station or runs it, she was training him when I walked in to pay for my petrol. And in my opinion, she was giving him way too many instructions. She's saying, do this, do that, do this, do that. And then um, and as she was walking out, so she's saying, don't forget this, don't forget that. And then, and don't forget. And she walked out the door and I'm standing in front of him and he looked up at me with his eyes like this. And he said, I don't know what she said. <laughs> and I said, I leant forward and I said, she said, don't forget to put the drinks in the fridge. And he goes, ah. Oh. And I said to him, it's a bit like listening to your mum really, isn't it? And then we had this hilarious conversation. He said, yes, it is. He said, my mother says to me, don't forget to take the washing off the line. I don't hear her. And then she comes home, I haven't taken it off. And then he said, then she says to me, don't leave the dishes in the sink. He said, I don't hear her. We had this hilarious discussion about an 18-year-old boy and the things his mother says. And then eventually I said to him, I think I'd better pay for the petrol. And he goes, <gasps> and uh, so I paid for the petrol. And as I walked out and I said, oh, and by the way, don't forget the, to put the drinks in the fridge. And he goes, <gasps> A week later, I went back in and he saw me and he went, oh, he said, the drinks are in the fridge. <laughs> and I thought, good boy. He heard the word, he retained it, and by perseverance, he produced a crop. It's the same for us. We hear it, we retain it, and we persevere. One of the ways that we can retain it is actually by memorising God's word. Because particularly if the Lord has a word for you in season, because if you memorise God's word, when you're walking along, you can be saying it and meditating on it. Why? Because God's word is alive. It is active when you feel fear. You um, remember 2 Timothy 1.6, For I have not been given a spirit of fear, but of power, of love, and of a sound mind. And you begin to say it and say it and say it until your fear lifts and the peace of God comes. So you hear it, you retain it, you persevere. So in this whole thing of following the Lord and maintaining our hope, I just wanted to talk about three things that we can do to maintain this hope in our spirit. Firstly, I would say to set your heart in prayer, in your personal prayer life with Jesus Remembering, of course, that our prayer life is a relationship. It's not a chore. It's not something that we have to achieve. It's actually a relationship. So whenever I sit down to have my prayer time each day or whenever I do it, I always say hello to the Lord because it's a relationship. I always say, hello, Lord. And sometimes I tell him where I am and what I'm doing. Like this morning, I said, hello, Lord. I said, I'm going to Mount Annan today. And he said, I know. And... Um, which is good. And uh, so set your heart in prayer. And uh, recently the Lord took me on an adventure in my prayer life of uh, self-control. And he just dropped this thing in my spirit about Romans 12, 
do not be conformed any longer to the pattern of this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And so the Lord had really put in my heart this thing about self-control. It was a really, I totally enjoyed my adventure with the Lord. I always like to have a project going. I have several at a time. I would recommend it, get a project with Jesus and just see what the Holy Spirit does. So I had this project of self-control. And it was fascinating. It was self-control over my conversations, self-control over my world, self-control over my thought life. And uh, so I really enjoyed this journey with the Lord. And then one day, the Lord dropped into my spirit. He said, you also need self-control even in your prayer. And I thought, wow, that had never occurred to me to have self-control in my prayer. Um, But actually, as I began to really apply what the Lord was saying to me, I came into this really different place in Him. Because you know what it's like when you've got a lot of worry or you've got things that you're deeply concerned about and you're overwhelmed and you sit down to have a prayer time and you tell the Lord all about it and sometimes you feel worse when you're finished than when you started. And that was the type of prayer that the Lord was talking to me about, about having self-control. And so to have self-control in prayer, I think you need to set your heart with faith before you begin asking for anything. You set your heart with hope before you pray about all of the things that you need to. It's first before the request. And so I started to set my heart in hope uh, by by restating, Lord, I trust in you. Lord, I believe that you are a good, good father. I believe, Lord, that you hear my voice. You hear my cry for mercy. I trust in you, Lord, with my life. I trust you, Lord, with my children. I trust you, Lord. And just to, just to set that before I began, and it produced a shift in my spirit with my prayer. Because when you've got this established in your heart, Before you begin to request things, it's completely different when you begin to pray for it. You see, we need to have the first. We need to have a first foundation of faith and hope. Because for Abraham, it said that Abraham believed God and it was credited to him as righteousness. What was the first thing that Abraham did? He believed before anything else. And it's the same for us. For any of us to become uh, followers of Jesus, to be born again, the first thing we do is believe. But as followers of Jesus, you actually continue believing every day. You sit down in your prayer time and you believe that God hears you. You believe that he's good. You believe that you can trust him. So we set our hearts in prayer. Uh, Romans 15, 13, which is the famous scripture about hope. You know, the one that we write in cards and that sort of thing. But actually, it's a very, it's a full little scripture. Romans 15, 13, it says, Now may the God of hope... Fill you with all joy and peace as you trust in him, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's just look at this for a moment. It says that God is the God of hope first. So he's the one who actually all hope originates in him. And then it says that may the God of hope fill you with all joy and peace. This is wonderful. I want to be filled with joy and I want to be filled with peace. And it says, as you trust in him. So there's what God does and there's what we do. So God fills us with joy and hope, but we trust in him. And this is the the harvest that we reap. Then it goes on to say, so that you may overflow with hope by the power of the Holy Spirit. So you're not on your own generating hope. You're actually there with under the power of the Holy Spirit who generates this in us. So trust is essential to our hope. Secondly, I would say that we need to grow in resilience. As believers, this is very important. I often pray that the Lord will give me resilience in my spirit. And many years ago, I felt the Lord spoke to me about resilience. And uh, I'd been praying for a friend of mine. And uh, she was phenomenal. She was just a beautiful girl. She had a phenomenal prophetic gift Uh, She was a dancer. She wrote poetry. She was like a model. She was like the real deal kind of thing. And uh, I was praying for her one day, and uh, the Lord spoke to me and said that she was like a rose in his garden. 
And I thought, yes, she is. She really is. And then I thought, oh, if she's a rose, Lord, what am I? And uh, just out of idle curiosity. And, uh, and the Lord spoke to me really quickly. He said, you're a geranium. I was so offended. I don't know if you know anything about geraniums, but they are very scraggly. And uh, they are in the gardens of people who can't garden. And, and I thought, a geranium? Lord, seriously. And then I thought, okay, okay. I thought, let's think of something positive about a geranium. And I thought, well, you can plant them anywhere and they're pretty hard to kill. And, uh, and so I thought... I'm a geranium, but actually what the Lord was saying to me was to be resilient in Him. See, resilience comes from God. It comes from the Lord Jesus. In Habakkuk, there's this beautiful prayer of resilience. Habakkuk, of course, was, it's a beautiful book. He was one of the minor prophets. And this book is actually about a dialogue between Habakkuk and God. There's an invasion, an army coming to invade uh, Israel, and they were threatening them to destroy them. And uh, it was it, it was so terrifying for him that all of his it says that his heart was melting within him. And Habakkuk 3:17 is this beautiful poetic story. So if we just look at it, it says this is what Habakkuk says to the Lord: Though the fig tree does not bud, and there are no grapes on the vines. Though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stalls. I'm just going to stop there for a moment. For us, this is beautiful poetry, but what he's actually describing is utter starvation. Because when invading armies used to come through, the first thing they would do is cut down all of the trees and destroy all of the crops so that the people were remaining were so desperate that they couldn't fight any enemy because they were starving. So what Habakkuk is describing here is absolutely horrendous. But then he goes on to say, Yet I will rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Saviour. The Sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet like the feet of a deer and enables me to go on to the heights. And see, there is a yet in his spirit. In spite of the circumstances, he had this resilient yet. Yet, I will rejoice in the Lord. The most important and significant yet of all time throughout all of history was Jesus. In Mark 14, 36, when Jesus is in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was pouring his heart out to his father. Jesus knew everything that was about to happen to him on the cross. John 18.4 tells us this. It says that Jesus, knowing everything that was about to happen to him, there was no part of the cross that was a surprise to Jesus. There was nothing in it that he didn't know. Even when we read Psalm 22 and Isaiah 53, we can clearly see uh, what was uh, foretold that Jesus would suffer. And so when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was pouring his heart out to his Father in heaven. And uh, we know that three times he asked, and in Mark 14, 36, he says, Abba, Father, everything is possible for you. Take this cup from me, yet not what I will, but you will. This is the most significant yet throughout all of history. You see, without that yet, not one of us would have been saved. Every single person in this room would be banished for all of eternity. And this was the resilience of Jesus. This is one of the things that I absolutely love about the Lord. Of course, there's many things that we love about Jesus. But I love his resilience. Because when he got up and went back to the disciples, he did not flinch once. Everything that he had to endure, he set his face. In Isaiah 53, it says he set his face like flint. And so he knew what he had to do. And not once did he turn back. The most significant yet... The most significant resilience was in Christ Jesus, our Lord and our Saviour. This is what saved us. And so we know that Jesus sent his Holy Spirit for us so that we too could have this resilience in our spirit. But I think we need to pray for it. I don't think it just comes. I think we need to say, Lord, give me a yet in my spirit. With all of these circumstances, let me say, yet I will rejoice in the Lord. 
for he is my strength and my song. Yet, Lord, I will trust in you. Yet, Lord, I will praise you. Ask for this supernatural yet, that the Holy Spirit would fill you to overflowing with this yet in your heart. And the third thing I would say is wait well. When uh, we are trusting in Jesus, there's often, most times, a very long waiting period. The Hebrew word for hope means to wait with expectation. So we don't just wait for the time to pass, but we wait expectantly that God will do mighty things for us. We need to turn our thoughts around. Instead of asking, why is this happening to me, God, why? Instead, we can ask, what? What is it that I should do, Lord? What is it that I should learn from you in this season? And uh, I think it was last year, uh, I had my, my prayer life normally is in a rhythm, And then last year, I lost my rhythm, and uh, I felt very frustrated, and I lost my rhythm, and I just, my prayer life was all over the place, and I was very discouraged. I tried really hard, prayed about my prayer life, and all, but nothing was kind of, it just wasn't going well for me. And uh, I was talking about this with the Lord one day, I said, Lord, I'm so frustrated And I was so irritated with myself. I thought, why can't I just get this right? Like, I've been doing this for a long time. And why am I just all over the place? And the Lord said to me, he said, turn your frustration into longing. Rather than being frustrated with myself and irritated by myself, which doesn't really produce fruit. Because as soon as you're frustrated, you uh, start to make laws. Well, I should do this. I should do that. I should have done this and I should have done that. I should be better than than this by now. As soon as you make a law, you'll come into condemnation. And as soon as you come into condemnation, you're actually quite powerless. And so the Lord said, turn your frustration into longing. Rather than saying, I'm so frustrated, say, Lord, I'm longing for you. Because that's actually what it is. When you're frustrated with your prayer life, you are actually longing for the presence of the Lord. So rather than saying to yourself, oh, I'm so hopeless, You'd say, Lord, I am longing for your presence. I long for you. In Psalm 42, verse 1, it says, As the deer pants for the water, so my soul longs after you. Wait with expectant hope. Wait with the power of the Holy Spirit. We hope you've been encouraged by this message. For more information about C3 New Hope and its locations, please visit our website at c3newhope.com.au.